Greetings to everyone that's listening at home or in your car or wherever you might be listening. I want you to know that I'm I'm thankful to have you here with us today. I hope you're going to enjoy today's podcast and going to tune into future episodes. I'm really just getting started in the podcast ministry. I really don't know much about what I'm doing. I've posted a few practice episodes. I think they're getting better. This is the way I want to do my podcast. The way I want the show to come out, the episodes to be, is the way that I'm going to do it today. Um, So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you tune in in future episodes as well. Today we're going to be discussing holiness. Living a a God-focused life. We're going to be diving into the book of Romans. Specifically today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1 as we explore the topic of holiness. There's those out there that might wonder what holiness truly means and how we can practically live it out in our daily lives. So we're going to embark on this journey together seeking a deeper understanding of of God's call to holiness. The first thing that Paul points out in the book of Romans and in chapter 1 is his understanding of the human condition, of of the brokenness of man, of the fallen state of humanity. In Romans chapter 1, Paul starts by addressing the natural state of humanity, that everybody has sinned, that everybody has has messed up and, and made mistakes and come short of the glory of God. He describes how human beings have a tendency to suppress the truth about God's existence and His righteousness. You see, I believe that the majority of the people, regardless of what they claim, That the majority of the people, even those that say they do not believe in God, do not believe in the Bible, even those that claim everyone is free to do as they choose, I believe that the majority of the people deep down inside, they know that there is a God, they know that He is real, they know that He is the creator of all things, that there is an unmade maker, an uncreated creator, that there is a God that is the author of history, past, present, and future, that always has been and always will be, and that He is the one, God, is the one that determines right from wrong, that there is a moral standard of living expected of human beings, and that God is the one that determines that standard. He is the one that defines what is sin, what not is sin. He is the one that defines 
right from wrong. And if that be the case, which it is, and the majority of the people know that, that it is, then that means that the God that sets the standard, that determines what that standard is, is also the God that in the end times, in the last day, will be the God that gives rewards and punishments accordingly. That there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, as the church has been preaching and teaching for years. The majority of the people know this truth, but they suppress it. They hide it. They deny it. They pretend like they don't know it. They pretend like they, they don't understand it, or they just simply don't care. But they suppress this truth because if God is real and if he is the moral standard and if he is the one that in the end will hand out rewards and punishments, then that means that we are called as human beings to live a certain way. And the majority of the people don't want to. The majority of the people want to continue to live in the pleasures of sin that last only for a season. The majority of the people want to, want to continue to do it their way. What's right in their eyes. What, what seems fun to them. They want to set the standard. So they suppress the truth that deep down inside they know to be true. And in doing so, this suppression, it leads to idolatry. As individuals turn to worship created things rather than the creator himself, you say, well, okay, preacher, we get that in, in Paul's time at the writing of the book of Romans, the letter of Romans, biblical time, ancient time, yes, there was a problem with idolatry. There was a problem with idol worship, but, but that's not so much the case today. I mean, we don't see people erecting these giant statues to, to bow down and worship. I want you to know that we might not necessarily be committing idolatry in the same exact way that we did in the days of old in ancient times, but I believe idolatry can be defined as anything or anyone that takes your priority away from God, away from worshiping God, away from living a God-centered and a God-focused life. Actors, athletes, celebrities, Politicians, politics, sporting events, anything and anyone that takes your devotion, that takes your time, that takes your worship, that, 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 that takes control of your life over God. That is, in my opinion, considered an idol, and that is, in my opinion, considered idol worship. And people are still doing that to this very day, have since the beginning and are continuing to this day to commit the act of idolatry, turning away from God, suppressing the truth and living a lie. The human condition described here 
It reflects our inherent brokenness and, and need for redemption. We, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We was born in sin. In sin did our mothers conceive us. We have lived in sin. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And we all need Jesus, the Redeemer, the Savior, the one that died on Calvary's cross to pay that price so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed and reconciled back to a right relationship, and so that we could live according to the moral standards of a holy God. I want you to know and understand that there is consequences of the fallen nature. Paul highlights the consequences of suppressing the truth about God in Romans chapter 1 as he says that he, meaning God, gave them over, handed them over, turned them over to the desires of their hearts. What's the desires of the heart? Well, it's from the time of our youth. The Bible tells us it's 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 to do evil continually. That's the desire of of human heart. You tell us not to do something, and for whatever reason, that becomes what we want to do. I mean, from a time we're a child, you tell a child, don't go get that cookie. What are they going to do? They're going to go get that cookie. You know, share. And what are they going to do? They're not going to share. So we're born with with that desire to do what is is wrong. We've been given over. Some, some that have rejected the gospel have been given over to those evil desires. And in this fallen state, people engage in immoral practices, ultimately leading to a distortion of their God-given identities, of who they are. They lose track of who they are. There's never been a time that I can recall in the history of this world to where people have been more confused about who they are than right now in modern-day America. So many different genders. I've, I've even heard of, of, of people identifying with animals, identifying with cats, even heard of a school that, that in order to cater to those that identified as cats had to put litter boxes in the, in the restrooms. Oh, God help us. It's all because of Satan, the author of confusion, that people are, are confused but they've been given over to that confusion because they, they suppressed the truth. They turned from God. They wanted nothing to do with the Holy God. And they told God to, to get out of their lives in every way, in their relationships, in their, in their legislation and lawmaking, in their finances. They wanted nothing to do with, with God. Well, now we see a world without God, a country without God what it looks like, and it's it's not pretty. Sexual confusion. Never before in the history of, of the world, to my knowledge, has there ever been more sexual confusion. One person says, well, I'm homosexual. Man 
attracted to man, woman attracted to woman, another will say that that they're by. And now there's all kinds of different types of sexuality and sexual attractions that's that's being out that's being labeled out there, what people claim and identify with. They're they're confused. They don't know what they were meant to be. Listen, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, in the opening chapters of Genesis, the Bible tells us what God intended for us to be, what we were meant to be, who we were meant to be. He created one man and one woman. When he created man, he saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So so then he said that, that he needed a helpmate, so he created him woman. And their assignment, their job was to be fruitful and multiply, to replenish, to fill the earth. That was God's plan. That was God's plan for, for gender. That was God's plan for, for human sexuality. That was God's plan for marriage. That was God's plan for family and how to how to build and grow family, how to build and grow the human race. But because of us turning from the truth, turning from God and turning to fables, turning to lies, turning to Satan, the author of confusion, now there's so many millions out there that are confused as to who they are and what their purpose in life is. These verses demonstrate the the disruptive and destructive nature of sin, which separates us from God's holy and righteous standards. Sin is bad. Preachers need to get back to preaching on that. Teachers need to get back to teaching on that. Christians need to get back to to testifying, witnessing, and living according to that truth that sin is bad. It's always been bad. It kills from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did God say? Don't eat of that fruit or ye shall surely die. The wages of sin, Paul tells us, is still death. More specifically, the second death, that awful, terrible place called hell. Sin is bad. Sin destroys. It kills, steals, and destroys. It destroys everything it touches. It destroys marriages. It destroys homes. It destroys family. It destroys businesses and careers. And if lived in long enough, it will take you to that place called hell. And it will destroy your soul. It will destroy your your eternity. Sin is bad. And it needs to be understood just how bad sin is. And, And because of that, there is an urgent need for repentance. Paul continues to describe the the downward spiral that is caused by sin's influence in our lives. He outlines the progression towards a corrupt mind, leading to disobedience and ungodliness. The longer you live in sin, the worse it will get the farther down you will go. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go, and it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. 
I've experienced the power of sin, the destructive power of sin, and, and, and how it just grows and grows and gets worse and worse as I, as I began to drink. As a young, as a young um, individual, as a young man, around the age of 21, And it began with one, and then it began with six, and then it went to 12. And then it went to smoking a joint here and there. And then it went to popping pills, to snorting pills and snorting other drugs. Until finally I was a drug addict. Until finally I was an alcoholic, consuming over a 30-pack a day and doing all kinds of drugs on, on top of the alcohol until I had lost everything. Lived a life where I went in and out of jails and prison. Over a thousand days I've been lost because of, of, of being in jails and prison. And over 10 years of my life lost because of sin, because of drugs and alcohol. As I walked away from the Lord at the age of 21, and only by His amazing grace did He allow me to, the, the opportunity and the privilege of of coming back. So we, 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 we've got to understand the urgent need to get out of sin, to stop sinning. And there's only one way to do that, and that's through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But amidst these harsh reality, there does remain a hope in the form of repentance, of turning back to God. But I want you to understand that word repentance. It simply means to turn away from, to turn towards something, to, to turn around. And so many Christians, self-proclaiming Christians today are are living a life to where they say they're saved, but they're still going out and continuing in sin. And that's not repentance. Repentance is getting up from the altar, from, from the place of prayer, wherever it is that, that, you, that you made your confession, that you made your repentance to God, and you turn from this life, you turn from this world and the things and the sins of this world, and you turn towards God and towards moral and holy an acceptable living in the sight of God. Repentance requires acknowledging our, our sinful nature, understanding that, that, that we have sinned, that we have committed sins, that we are guilty of sins. And then even more so, understanding after we have confessed those committed sins that we still have that sin nature in us. And I... I might, Lord willing, talk about that in, in, in a future episode. But we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to acknowledge our need. We need to surrender to God's truth. To come back to God's truth and to understand God's truth. Which will then begin to do a, a transformation within us. You see, it's Jesus that saves. It's Jesus that sanctifies. It's Jesus that's everything. From start to finish, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. 
and when we come to Him and we accept Him as Lord and Savior, and then when we come and we surrender our all to Him, um, the Holy Spirit will come and reside within us and, and teach us and enable us and empower us and guide us and direct us in the truths of God and how to live a holy life. But we need to embrace God's call to holiness. Despite our fallen nature, Romans chapter 1 reminds us that God's holiness is not unattainable. There's so many denominations and churches and, and believers and preachers and teachers out there that will tell you that you can't have holiness in this life, that you can't have entire what we, what we call in the denomination that I'm a part of entire sanctification. Many call it the, the second blessing. The Bible and others refer to it as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. However you, you word it, however you term it, I want you to understand that you can have it. It is available by God's grace and through the finished work of Calvary's cross. See, God has called us to be set apart, to walk in His ways, and to live a holy life characterized by obedience to His commandments. And I want you to know something. God is not a trickster. God is not a harsh taskmaster. God is not a God that will command you to do something that you cannot do. God would not tell you not to sin if it wasn't possible. Jesus said to just about everybody that he helped, go and sin no more. And he would not have given that command if it wasn't possible to live in that command. If he hadn't provided us with a means of, of how to live in that command how to be holy and he has through the finished work of Calvary's cross and, and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ we have been given the power to live holy lives to be restored to a God centered existence existence Oh, there ain't no better life in this earth, I want to tell you. There ain't no better life in this earth. Than that of a, of a Christian. That of a believer. I've been on both sides of the tracks. I've been around. I've, I've done this This. This, this ride, so to speak. And I can tell you from personal experience that it's a whole lot le better living a sanctified, victorious life for, for Jesus than it was out there living for the devil, living in the pleasures of sin, living in the addictions and the bondage of, of, of those sins. This call to holiness is a continuous process where we daily surrender ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
It's a continuous process. You see, I believe in entire sanctification. I believe in the second definitive work of God's grace. I believe that there will come a time in the life of a believer when they will realize their need to be saved. When they will realize their need then to be sanctified. But while I believe that it is an instantaneous second definitive work of God's grace, I believe it is also a progressive, a progressive act, a progressive process where we die daily, as Paul tells us, to where we become better today than we was yesterday, and we become better tomorrow than we are today. If you're a Christian and you're not growing and you're not maturing and you're not becoming better and you're not becoming more like Christ, well, then then there's something wrong with that picture. Because Jesus don't save us to stay in that same lost condition. Jesus don't save us to stay in that that same same um, same types of addictions and same types of of sins. He saves us to set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And while I'm not always the man that I should be, while I'm definitely not the man that I want to be as a minister, as a preacher, I can testify and thank my God that I no longer am the man that I used to be, and it's all because of Jesus. And every day I find myself becoming more and more like Him and less and less like the world. Like the old man that I used to be. And I'm thankful for that. But we've got to die daily and we've got to continue to to grow and mature. In conclusion, in summary, Romans chapter 1, it provides us with an honest picture of the human condition of our need for God's redemptive work. It reveals the consequences of suppressing the truth, offering a harsh reality check. However, it also reminds us that there is hope through repentance, through Jesus. Returning back to God and His way. He desires a holy people who walk in His ways. And through the power of Jesus Christ, we can answer this call to holiness. So as we reflect on these words from Romans chapter 1, let us constantly seek God's guidance. Rely on His grace to live out a God-centered and holy life. May we be transformed by His love and His grace. May we shine as beacons of light in this lost world. When they see us, may they see Jesus in us. So that they desire to have what we have. So they too can come to the knowledge, to the truth of Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. Well, I think that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you will tune in for future episodes, and I hope that you will tell others and help spread the word about this program so that others can can enjoy listening to this podcast as well. Remember that I love you. And God loves you. If you don't know Him as your Savior, you can. If you don't know you know Him as your sanctifier, it's obtainable. He's no respecter of persons and what He's done for others, He'll do for you. Until next time, God bless.